We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike. And yesterday, got some bad news on LeBron. His ankle injury in Dallas is going to keep him out for a little bit. How long that's going to be is going to be determined. But for the near future, the Lakers are going to be without him. And in a season with five and a half weeks left on a team that is brand new in so many ways and uh, has been trying to find its footing really for three seasons, that uh, it's big news, right? And before we get into the implications of that and all the moving parts of that, though, I just wanted to acknowledge something is that that happened late in the third quarter. And LeBron said something to the effect after it happened of, I heard something pop. And then after that, he went out, out there on that ankle and scored 11 points in the fourth quarter helped deliver a huge road win for the team. So I just want to wanted to acknowledge that, Mike. He put himself out on the line, help, helped us get a big win. And just thank you, LeBron, for from just one Laker fan for that. We're going to hold it down without you, or at least we're going to – I sure hope we try. But it just showed – to me, Mike, a certain level of like giving himself for the team. And he knew he knows the circumstances that we're in. And but it's tough, man. It's tough. So you're there on the ground. I know you ran into him uh recently on, on the road trip as well. Man, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, Mike. Big news. Yeah, I, I think that when Anthony Davis went down, right, there was this kind of thought and uncertainty. A lot of some, in a lot of ways, similar to what we're dealing with right now in terms of what LeBron is going to be in uncertainty, and, and part of that's because of the clock of the season. Um, with AD, you knew you had potentially more time, but the in, the the injury itself was complicated, and it, he needed to see multiple doctors. And I think that's what will happen with LeBron now. I think he will see multiple doctors. We may not have mm-hmm. an official update from the team as to what the timeline would be until he goes through that process. Um, I, I did see him here today in the hotel in Memphis. Uh, and, you know, it's just a I'm already trying to zoom past into like what Darvin Ham is going to be thinking and saying what Anthony Davis is going to be thinking and saying. And the question, Pete, is really just do they have enough to continue to make at least a, a modest push 
which I think the push is thanks th- thanks to the Lakers winning four of the last five. The push has become more modest than had they lost even one or two of those games where you're already looking at the math being ridiculous. And can they do they have enough talent to make a, a bit of a push here to stay at worst in the play in mix? And at best, I think it's going to be tough without LeBron, but like to get up to the six, which is where I think they had a decent chance of getting if he stays healthy. And I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, I think that Anthony Davis, with where he is right now, um, is one of the best players in the league. Can Anthony Davis sustain that for 20 games? For he's got to prove got, he has to prove that to himself, certainly, and to um, to his teammates, and everything else. But talent wise, yes, uh, and skill wise, yes. And do the Lakers have enough around him after this acquisition? to get Vanderbilt and Russell and Beasley in here. And I think the answer is yes, especially considering what those players around him look like uh, and what the teams around where the Lakers are at look like, where literally the eight teams around them in the standings, and not this is not counting Houston and San Antonio, not one of those teams has even six wins out of their last 10. Um, the best of all of those teams, that includes you know the Clippers and the Blazers and the Warriors and all of those teams, the, the uh, Timberwolves, uh, the Pelicans, the Blazers, the Thunder, uh, the best of those groups are five and five. And so the, I think with what the schedule is shaping up to be also in March, the Lakers can't just think, oh, LeBron's out. We don't know when he's coming back. You know, the season is basically cooked. Like there's enough still to me to play for. And yeah. uh, that's not to get past what, you know, what the LeBron situation is. We just don't know. Uh, we can all speculate as to, well, if it's the foot, then it means it's either X or Y. And that requires this many weeks. And of course, we've already done that in the text thread. We won't be doing that officially. But it's just a Pete that that has to be the mindset of the team is that we've got enough to win games and let's let's try to hold things down like LeBron helped do when AD went down that first time when they could have gone in the tank quite easily, uh, given what the prospectives were. I think that's the exact right reaction to this, right? Is like, uh, it's funny when the news broke, I learned about it because my phone just started lighting up with various versions of, uh, the, of a text that was basically fuck, right. With varying degrees of enthusiasm on, on that. Right. And then it was also followed by, but you know what? I think we can, I think we can hold this down for a bit. Like the circumstances are remarkable, regardless of of what happens but this has been our story the last few seasons has been trying to get our footing with health and there's a longer discussion to be had about that about the fact that there's a chance that this is the third straight season where LeBron and AD don't even play 30 games together but shelving that for now and just talking and staying in the moment and staying in the present which is what we really need to do just on a fundamental level right is like what about the game tonight against Memphis what what do we need to do and we're about to have that conversation here on this pod, Mike, but I just think that emotional reaction from all the people that I know that love and care about the Lakers, it was that like, man, another one from the, you know, just from that disappointment of we we're so excited to see this group together to once again, we're in a similar spot. And then that reflexive, but you know what? I'm, I think we can do this. Hearing that just almost universally from the people that care about the Lakers that I talked to was really encouraging to me. So it's curious to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear you say that too, Mike. And that's what the team has to have the mindset of. Now the question is, what does that look like? How do they do it? Yeah, I think that's the that's the difference in just being around a locker room for a long time. It, most professional athletes and most coaches in the professional sphere think like this. Most of them have had success throughout the course of their lives by just whatever the situation is. Oh, all right, I'm I'm good enough. 
And I think that the initial, the initial from the outside way to look at it. And like, this is how, if something, ha- if there's like an injury to a Manchester United player, I'm not as good at being reasonable um, as I am in the NBA, which I kind of treat more like a job, even though it is also a passion. So it's, it's just like a, then you and I can come in and that's what I think we're going to do on this podcast. Okay. Well, who does that mean? Who's starting? And what do they have enough on offense if this guy is starting? And do they have enough on defense if that guy is starting? But just the mentality to me, this is a, this is an easier lift than it might at, at first at first seem. Um, and and as kind of depressing as that can be when something happens, you know, LeBron. Well, here I'm, I'm not gonna. Uh, I think it's. I want to ask you a question. We can get back to LeBron if we want to, but like I want to ask you because I know you've been thinking about this. So let me just change tact within my own within my own stream of consciousness thought here. In the starting lineup, there are players that I think can help in different ways, and I guess the the two players to me kind of the the immediate candidates would be Rui um, Hachimura, who has replaced LeBron in certain games, um, and uh, on one hand, and then Troy Brown Jr who you get like some other things from uh, in, in that sort of starting role. I think that the bench is going to be called upon guys like Austin and Dennis. Uh, this is once D'Angelo comes back are going to end up being you know, playing more as well. But then we're right back into that problem of the being too small. Uh, and unless you overplay Rui uh, in, in a certain sense. So I'm curious where you land first thought um, as to, I guess, two different ones, Pete. With D'Angelo Russell out of the starting lineup right. tonight, and then once he comes back. So I view it from the perspective of, like, let's keep what's good and what we have going for us and build off of it. And one of those things, Mike, that really determined the Troy versus Rui question, in my mind, is I've loved Vanderbilt guarding the other team's best forward, which the last couple of games have been ball handling forwards. And so you can guard those type of guys. Like, man, I'm, I'm so excited about that. Tonight, that might mean Dylan Brooks, which is a different style of you know, he'll operate more off of the ball, uh, more weak side shooter. It's a different challenge to chase guys around off ball screens, whereas, you know, Luca and B.I. is more he's right in front of you and has the ball guard him type of responsibility. Of course, Brooks gets his, you know, fair amount of touches as well. But we're also facing tonight uh you know, Steven Adams is out, but Xavier Tillman is a bruiser five as well. And so there's a collective size from Memphis in their front court that I'd love to be able to match. And so I love Vanderbilt as that perimeter defender, and I would love to see how far he can go with that. And I think that Rui slots into the LeBron spot of guarding the other guy that Vanderbilt is not guarding while also providing a requisite amount of size defensively. He's also a scorer, an on-ball scorer, where like I think Troy is a better player than Rui in aggregate, but in terms of like what the roles that we're already locking in, especially that Vanderbilt guarding the team's best other team's best wing, that's where I'm at. And then when Troy comes in, he does that too. And so you got kind of 48 minutes of either Vanderbilt or Troy on the other team's best perimeter wing. I like that a lot. And so that to me is one of the things that in determining the role players that slot around that or the starter because this guy is out, like they have to fit into the centerpieces. I, I would love for us to solidify the centerpieces of what we do. And I'm seeing Vanderbilt in that defensive role as more and more of that. Totally makes sense. I'm there's a couple of things I want to get to with Rui versus Troy. And it's a little bit different offense versus defense. So first defense, that's where Rui makes some more sense for me, uh, for me 
just in the context of when it was AD and Vanderbilt and LeBron, they could switch three through five and kind of get by for even when the Lakers are a little smaller in the backcourt. Like, and it's just something that I think works well. And they are LeBron and AD enjoyed that. And can you do that with Troy in the same way that you can with Rui? Well, probably not because Rui, I think, can at least hang on paper, right? Sometimes it doesn't end up working out that way, but. So in the def- those types of defensive matchups, and then you're also, instead of Troy having to be the one that is guarding the primary attacking type uh, player, like is Vanderbilt going to have to stay inside more or take on some bigger matchups mm-hmm. if Troy's in there, right? And then get out of that spot that you were just talking about him being in. So that's where I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I get that. On the other side of the floor, Troy gives the AD lineups more space than Rui does when Vanderbilt is in that dunker spot. And mm-hmm. even in a, in a different way from what LeBron does, because like LeBron, even though you have to respect LeBron from out there, you're still you still rather him, especially right now. Pete, you talk about his jump shot. You'd rather him be out there bombing away from three mm-hmm. than doing all of the other stuff that he does to destroy your defense. Whereas if Troy is out there, he's just out there and he's just spacing and you have to account for that just like you do Beasley on the other side of the court. And then especially once Russell gets back and gives you a, a more shooting than Schroeder. So if you're starting Schroeder, next to Beasley, and then Rui, Vanderbilt, and AD, the spacing, which I am not usually yeah. as big of a proponent of as others, becomes a little tricky. And and so I that's where I want to kick right back to you to give me the offense side of this. This is a great counter-argument arg- that you just made, and that to me is why it shouldn't be Dennis that replaces someone in the starting lineup. I think that it's he's been the starter so much this year, but on a different team conceptually, especially with LeBron out now too, is that that's exactly right. To me, Austin is the guy that if either D'Lo or Beasley is out, he can do an impression of what they do and have similar type of role, whether it's he's not as good of a shooter as Beasley, but he's a good shooter and can run the same type of actions. That's what he does with the second unit. Or with D'Lo, he can handle the ball, be an on-ball player, kind of a crafty skill guard. And so you, I think with having Austin as like the first guy you go to if one of your starting backcourt is out, that help helps to facilitate that Rui Vanderbilt AD type of front court where you very rightfully have that. How's this spacing going to work? Like part of how you mitigate that is making sure it's either D'Lo, Austin, or Beasley on the court with them, that it's got to be two of those three. But to start, at least, and I don't know, so doubtful that Russell's going to play against Memphis. We'll Mm -hmm. see against OKC. But if he doesn't in both, and Darvin, you would think, especially given that John Morant uh, is point guard for the Grizzlies, is going to want Dennis in there. So let's just, just with Memphis, Pete, what's the answer for, for that positional matchup? I love this, Mike, because it's usually me that's like, no, 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 let's not skip to the end of the book. Let's talk about today, just tonight. And here I am talking these big picture yeah. ideas when it does need to narrow, be narrowed down to the game without Delo, right? And so asking Austin to chase around Ja, I may have to disagree with my own argument. And so I guess my point would be that if you have to start Dennis because of something like that, we need somebody to chase around Ja Morant, then that's the night that Troy Brown probably has to start. I think. And Dennis has been pretty good lately. I do. I, I, think, I think Dennis has been a little better than people think. To me, it's more about how the like five man unit works than anything. Like I'm a big, 
Yeah, We've gotten so much basketball player out of Dennis Schroeder on a minimum contract. It's not even funny, right? Like he's been really good in his role. It's just, he's different than our other three guards in the rotation, Mike. Like if it's D'Lo, Beasley and Austin, those are all skill guards. Those are all real shooters to, to varying degrees, real, you know, that, that type of player. Dennis attacks in a totally different way. And so he just changes kind of the alchemy of the overall unit that in a way that you have to, I think, treat his role differently. But that's only if we're talking on the offensive end. There's a defensive role as well, where he's also probably the only guy equipped to chase around a John Morant, which is in a game like tonight, a bigger priority. So tonight I probably go Dennis, Beasley, Brown, uh, Vanderbilt, and AD. You know, with that said, Pete, the, and I, I think that we are major uh, reasons why, like we are always, that's kind of a part of our job, right? Is to overanalyze all of these things. And I do sure. think that like sometimes if, if I weren't doing a podcast, like a daily podcast, my reaction would just be like, doesn't make that big of a difference for one off. Like the, the, if the guy, if the first matchup of the starters isn't working that well, you bring somebody off the bench, like those guys are going to play anyway. Uh, so I, I do think sometimes we can, uh, we can overanalyze the rotations. And it's also the easiest way for people that watch games to then second guess coaches um, who have a certain plan. And and I am I am somebody that does that myself. So I, I don't want to make too big of a thing out of it. But like one in thing, this game. Sorry, just one thing to add to that, Mike. I agree to an extent, especially when it comes to the starting lineup. We'll talk about this group that basically plays 12 minutes a game in total. Sometimes the same group will close the halves as well, but often, oftentimes not, where we'll give so much attention to a, a starting lineup that plays like a quarter of the game. You know, We could both make the argument uh, together or against each other, however you get, like whatever lineup you gave me, right? And depending on how that, that game goes, that like if the other team happens to be shooting threes that night, that that's a, but, but I also agree with you. There is an optimal way to play and to, to put guys together. It just ends up being more rare than I think people think that coaches are going to have all of their guys available. I, whatever. We, we get it. We get, well, I think people get what we're talking yeah, about. We'll have, we'll have this conversation, I think more in depth yeah. uh, because we've been through qu- quite a journey in this specific way of looking at the Lakers in terms of how to construct lineups and what matches with what, because we've had some very sensitive players and it's not just Russ in this yeah. respect. Right. So I yeah. think that, but this is later on down the line. Pete, let me do this. Let me do this. There's, but to, I want to answer your question because I, I have now gotten us off track. So let's take a break. When we come back, there's one major key for this Memphis game and moving forward of when we're thinking about like how the lineups work and how they don't. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. The major key is Anthony Davis. Like, so we're thinking about John Morant and, okay, well, Dennis Schroeder guards, can he guard John Morant better than some? Yeah, but if you have Anthony Davis at his current level of rim protection, which is 100, right? Like he is, he has been just eating up the last several teams that are trying to get in there. Um, and he's got like the full vertical going. He's got the come slide over from help. He's got the on the ball stuff, all that. So Memphis can get very much bogged down um, from an offensive perspective right now. If you've got that kind of rim protection and Ja can't just go into the rim and, like, at the rim and finish it well. So to me, you can almost game plan this a little bit like you played against the Warriors, even though it's it's totally different the way that Ja attacks than how the Warriors do. And he's going to he's going to get more screen rolls, et cetera, et cetera. But like there are there are a couple guys, Desmond Bain being the main one that you can't leave and you just need to stick with and not let shoot. But in, in the way that you can't let Jordan Poole or Clay Thompson um, be out there. But if you can just get Ja, who's not shooting the ball well right now, just have just sh- push him towards AD, whether it's Dennis or Austin or whatever. Uh, that to me is is the key, and AD can be the key in different ways as you move forward. I'm just thinking for this type of a game, Pete, um, he's the one that go, that uh, the Memphis coaches are sitting there just thinking like, all right, well, what are we going to do to score <laughs> uh, when AD's out there? And and with and by the way, with Jared Vanderbilt um, as a, as an additive on the perimeter and sinking down to the rim when needed as well. Yeah, man. The our our def, our whole world right now is going to be revolving around Anthony Davis, and I think that that's the broader discussion to have. Is the the spotlight is on AD now? He in that Dallas game. I don't know about you, but there are a couple plays where I'm like, oh, I recognize that guy. We saw that guy earlier in the year. Like he's starting to really. I don't know. He looked great uh, at, at moments of that and has been great on the defensive end, as you said, for a few games now. And so this has been a pattern when Anthony Davis comes back from injury is like kind of slowly builds up as a player. And then, you know, a few weeks later, you're like, ooh, he's he's really cooking. And then he ends up getting hurt again. Right. And so that's part of the question, too, is can A.D. dominate and stay healthy for the next 21 games? Any hopes that we have on making a push or anything like that are built upon that. If that doesn't happen, it's not going to happen. And so uh, we will see. It's it's a great test, testing ground. And so I think that conceptualizing what is the team without LeBron and but not just without LeBron centered around Anthony Davis. AD is the guy who's the first thing you think about of how this is going to work. And what I think about, Mike, is the skill guards. This is an opportunity to go through a really cool metamorphosis in terms of what we are. If we're asking AD to be defensive player of the year on one end, which I think is one of those centerpieces that I was talking about, it's like the main one, even like way ahead of what I'm loving from Vanderbilt and all of that, is AD being just that dominant rim protector that you were talking about. That is like the main thing that we need for this team to be able to be good. If we're asking him to do that and be this be a 28 shot per game, you know, 35% usage type of guy. I don't think that's a good recipe. I think, I think it's, I think you're flirting with disaster from a, a health standpoint. And I think that you will wear him down. Even if he stays healthy, it's just like, it's hard to keep that up. And so the ways in which we can support him in being that defensive player of the year type of guy to me really revolve around our skill guards. And it's so cool to me that this season, which has been a meta- metamorphosis in a lot of ways, started as a, this like paint assault type of team where like we couldn't shoot worth a damn, but we were still 
scoring in the paint and one of the best teams in the league at that, even with defenses collapsed into the paint. It was actually quite remarkable how effective we were at yeah, that. Yeah, totally. And now, especially with LeBron out, we don't have much on-ball force. Like everybody that you give the ball to is kind of the skill, I'm going to you know, dribble, drive, pull up, nice shot type thing. But it's not somebody that uh, is going to not – Beyond Russell, who does this a little bit, not like forceful, put him in the sidecar like LeBron or Russell Westbrook style. And so there are versions of this style of play. Can, yeah. can, can forcefulness be speed, though? Like, yeah. in the, and this is where I'm thinking about Dennis. You know what I mean? He's part of that. The thing about like the force. This is a complimentary part. Like the speed is an aspect of that to me, but you need a guy that that's strong as well. I've probably talked about strength this year more than any other season on the pod in large part because I think that we've been without it by being such a small team and but not just a short team, like thin, not not like a push you around stocky, you know, short and stocky type of team. And so without LeBron, Dennis is our best like forcefulness going to the rim of our on ball guards. And that, that does help. That speed does help, but only to a degree. And I think that we're going to be vulnerable to ball pressure and ball denial. Like when we've been bad on offense, we've had some pretty stinky portions, even with this new, new team a few times, a lot of times it's because the guys are, the defense is pressing up on us. So in a game like tonight, Mike, that's a big thing I'm going to watch for is how well can Memphis kind of push up on us and how do we beat that? And really having a world that revolves around Anthony Davis and an offense that revolves around that is kind of a way to break through that in a way that minimizes that sort of uh, weakness. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. And now I want to go back to, so let's go to the starting lineup and presume that Rui gets the shot. And even if we think that maybe it's better for Troy, if it's Dennis, but just considering the defensive aspects here and Rui has had, I thought he had a great start, right? The first couple of games and there was a lot of energy behind it. Yeah, I think he kind of felt like a guy, you know, and he was, he was getting out in transition. They were hitting him for some, they were getting him for some hit ahead uh, uh, passes. And then, you know, things kind of got back to LeBron AD and, you know, where do I find my shots? Is it going to be in the middle? Uh, he hasn't finished particularly well at the rim, you know, it, so they're just, it's been a little bit uneven and I think he's used to the way that he's been used in the past has been give me X amount of touches. I will score a good percentage of them, you know, probably from the mid range, taking advantage of smaller guys, so on and so forth. And then, you know, kind of work at the other end of the floor, but never been like a, a big time defender or whatever. So what ways while trying to think about everybody else on the floor and, you know, Vanderbilt who you don't necessarily have to run anything for, like Beasley, who you you definitely want to run things for, but that's that's going to be a benefit anyway. That's just him like running around screens and doing some complicated stuff that Minnesota and Utah did. Well, Minnesota more than Utah. Like what what is the way and the idea, the peak point of Hachimura in this sense, Pete, that you would be that you think could is needed and could work well? I've been saying since we traded for him that I've been off balance when it comes to him, and I I think that I understand his game better than I did, but as 
we've seen more of him. The team totally changed around him. So where does Rui fit in within this very different team? I think even he's still kind of finding his way in that respect. One thing I love is on offense, if Rui's got a mismatch, it's a great thing to go to. And it's something that that's part of my argument. And the first thing you said as we came back from break had me thinking like, ah, this makes me want to put Rui back in the starting lineup uh, instead of Troy after I had talked myself out of it and you had talked me out of it, um, is that Rui is that like breaking point guy that we had talked about before in a lot of ways where now that Vanderbilt's on the team, he in some ways can play more forcefully than LeBron does. And that if Rui is also on the floor, he's going to have a mismatch in ways where he's a good scorer when he has advantage. And that's the big thing on offense with him that his numbers with LeBron, but with AD on the bench, he's like a plus 44 in like 50 minutes. They've been great together when it's because LeBron knows how to create advantage and knows when Rui has a guy on him that can't guard him. You know, like he knows where to deploy Rui in ways that just gives Rui a degree of structure that I think is helpful to him. He's also great on those corner dive cuts. He just has, he has really good feel in a way that there's something there, Mike. That's kind of the landing point that I end up at. We can talk about all the details, but it's like so much has changed. This is such an unusual circumstance where you're like, I don't know if this guy's good or not. 15 games into a team that's legit totally changed around him that I guess I'm not ready to to judge yet. I just think there's something there. If I can put words in your mouth or trying to take your words to put them into your mouth, would you say this is just, it's a good chance to kind of give him another shot? Absolutely. You know, and to, to see if you can get a little more out of him. Uh, like, yeah. An optimistic view is remember when TB stepped in for AD and we won, we did better during that stretch without AD than we thought we were going to do. And a big part of that was because TB could absorb usage. And this is something in the text thread Darius has been talking about has been that like, Rui's been a starter. Rui will get you double digits. Rui's going to have a random 25, 30 point game. He does that. And so replacing LeBron as a scorer, like when we talk about, oh, how do we replace LeBron? He gives us 30 points a game. We could start there. You know what I mean? And so that's something that I think is useful there. And there's going to be a de- just a degree of touches available that wouldn't be otherwise. So, so yeah. So I think that you got me. I think I had started in my own head thinking about Troy because I, I like Troy. Mm-hmm. I like Troy before the season started. Um, I just I think that there's a little more there than than folks realize. By the way, he's mm-hmm. 23. Uh, and and yet, I think that that's there's two points of persuasion here is that I don't there isn't necessarily upside into what Troy can do. Uh, like Troy is out there and he's going to he's going to space the floor and he'll make a couple. He'll have a couple finishes in transition, like he'll leak out. Um, he'll battle defensively. But with Rui, if you just have him in that bench role, he's sort of he's just going to take a couple jump shots, maybe get a couple rebounds and then like the game's over. You know, he doesn't really seem to be able to assert himself in, yes. in ways in that more limited role. And so if you can expand his usage some, you can still get some activity and some energy out of Troy. And on the nights that Rui doesn't have it going, then you can almost skip that rotation spot more, mm-hmm. put Troy in earlier, and then just play Wenyan. Like, I, that's another name <laughs> yep. that we haven't mentioned that I would I, I think is, is important um, to get him back going into some minutes here. And so let's be now that you've talked me into that and I like it and and maybe part of my original point about the whole being able to switch three through five and Rui fitting better there than Troy and then Vando still being able to get mm-hmm. on the perimeter zone because Rui can take right, the bigger right. guys on the Troy can't bench rotation wise, no LeBron. So, you know, Ru- this is now bigger picture. So Russell comes back and 
you know, to what degree, if Rui is starting, what do you want to do with a backup big uh, type situation? So I think Bamba and Gabriel, like all that. I think Bamba probably gets the first shot. There's a longer conversation to be had about Bamba versus Wenyan that I don't want to have now because I want to answer the overall. What what about those two together? Yeah. So the my concern. What about those two together? Like at four, like four or five. I don't know to what degree we trust Wenyan to make perimeter rotations. Like the way defenses work these days is you're either one of two positions. Generally, you're either a five or you're not a five in terms of what your defensive responsibilities are. And when teams go to five out type sets where they like to space the floor, that's the time when the slow footed big gets played off of the the floor. And so that's one of the things that if we're talking bench units, most bench units around the NBA are that smaller, more spaced out style that basically asks either Mo or Wenyan to make perimeter rotations that they don't usually. I think Wenyan can do it, but it's one of those things that in must win games in the last 20 games of the season, I don't want us to be like, oh, actually Wenyan can't. And we went 10 games without, you know what I mean? Like he can't do it to the degree that we need. Now, To me, it's more of a, like, would you rather Wenyan or Bamba in that final spot? I think that having Mo in that bench, uh, bench five role. And you know, you know how much I love Wenyan, but I think having that over the top type of a guy again, in like locking in just sort of things that we do, having the guy with the seven, six wingspan, that's the rim protector as a starter. And then the guy that plays 12 minutes a game behind him is, does the same thing. Basically it's not nearly as, as good, but Wenyan is sort of a different style of a defender than AD is. They're like, he was the closest thing we had at one point to that. But I think that most the guy to go with, but most of all, Mike, I just like, I, I think we can just trim down rotation minutes. And if we want to go to a ninth guy, to me, I like, I, I think, I think Davon Reed is a guy who comes up ahead of Lonnie Walker for me. So that's kind of where I'm at with the, those bench groups. So there are certain players and this is, this is a, my bigger argument here was kind of when we first, when the Lakers first made the trade and I was like, I get that it might not seem perfect spacing wise and all that, but like start Vanderbilt and just put him next to LeBron and AD and just trust that the energy and athleticism and and all of that is going to end up helping Mm -hmm. more than it seems like on paper. Sometimes uh, the way that guys skill sets match up. Wenyan to me is one of those where like you make, you can make a very persuasive argument about the type of player that's needed and what he can and can't do. But I, I still like with LeBron out Mm. and with the ask that is going to be made on Anthony Davis from an energy standpoint, that's where I like to find a couple of more energy type guys to just get on the floor, just make stuff happen, keep some balls around, fly out. If you miss rotation, fine. Uh, If you get blown by in the perimeter one time, fine. If you follow at the rim one time, but the three or four offensive rebounds that you get, you know, and the kind of just, just literal energy boost that you're uh, presence is going to mm-hmm. is going to bring yeah. to the floor yeah. to me there's a big difference between him and bamba in that sense and so i wouldn't just say bamba you're getting all these minutes when you're not like i, I to me i would sort of use them uh, in different ways and in different in, in different aspects and i, I just would find ways to get when out there especially in certain matchups um and so that i th- i know you feel is kind of the same way about when but that's I, i'm just trying to explain why um i think on this team with AD especially and with LeBron, that that type of energy ends up boosting more than it seems like it might because it it lacks some other things. I'm so on board with the idea. It's just that we've run 
two big lineups such a small percentage of the time overall. Like again, if it was earlier in the season, I, I was a big advocate of the two big groups earlier in, in the year, right? But to me, in the last 20 games type of thing, like we are what we are in some ways. And that like changing kind of what we do with those two big type of groups that we played, I think like 5% of the time this season where there are so few reps. And then, let's say that's fine. Then then still, you can still get some minutes for uh, for when you know at the expense of Bamba. I, I'm right? totally fine with that. And to me, the next guy up, in terms of right now, if you look at it on paper, we've got eight. And then a ninth guy, I think, would be between Lonnie, Davon Reed, and Wenyon, as in terms of the next guy, if you wanted to play a nine-man rotation. There's also a version where you just play eight guys and guys that are totally capable of playing 28 minutes get 28 minutes and you have enough there. It, it's all in terms of like where Darwin wants to go. But that's part of the, the thing, Mike, and that is part of the excitement, I suppose, about that we could do this is that having a Reed or a Lonnie or a Wenyan as the ninth guy, it's going to depend on what team we're playing that night. Maybe this is a Wenyan game. Maybe this is yeah. a game where we know, need to go a little bit smaller and the spacing and 3 and D aspect of a Reed would be helpful. You know, that I think having those tools, even without LeBron, it speaks to the level that this team was reshaped in a way that I think is going to be functional. But we'll see. It, it all still goes back to AD. All roads go back to him. No doubt. Yep. Yep. It's, this is uh this is kind of, it's not that it's just on him. It's just that he clearly is the, he's the reason why you don't just say, Oh, LeBron's out for X amount mm-hmm. of time. And can AD do again, what basically what LeBron did when he was out and, and who knows what the time frame is going to be. But um, I, I don't think it's a situation where up uh, Lakers season is over, you know, turn off the TV, close the laptop. Like I'll see you next year. I think that there's still a lot, a lot to be seen here. Absolutely. And uh, it starts tonight against a very good Memphis team at home. I think they're 25 and five. So going to be a uh, tough sledding without LeBron, likely without D'Angelo Russell. But let's get after it. I think it's a big game tonight, Mike, from an emotional perspective, just g- coming out and setting the tone for what we're going to be. I remember the game where Andrew Bynum got hurt and then Kobe had his 61 point game against the Knicks the following game. And there was just a yeah. level of. Yeah, yeah, I was there. That was incredible, dude. Do yourself a favor and just go YouTube. Just click YouTube that game right now. Kobe, Kobe had all the shit working. Just all a masterpiece, absolute masterpiece. And D'Antoni has a great story about how he ran into Kobe before the game. And usually, like you know, his dad, uh, Jellybean Bryant, played with D'Antoni in Italy. They go way back, and so it's the type of thing you run into somebody you see a couple times a year, and but you go way back from when they were a little kid. And so it's that like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Type of energy. And Kobe's just like stonewalling him. This is according to D'Antoni, and Dan, the way D'Antoni tells it is like, yeah, I knew we were, <laughs> we were in for it that night uh, as a result of just that interaction right there. The that was the game after uh, Andrew Bynum. Kobe fell into Bynum's leg and it was apparent he was going to be out for a minute. Kobe came out like that just like to set a tone, not just for that game, but just like, no, we're keeping this thing going. And I think that LeBron going out and playing on that on the bum wheel and putting up 11 in a big conference road win, you know, like just speaks to a level of keep fighting. Let's go. We can do this. Excited about tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about how it goes. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good.
Seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. 